wonderful Savior. chapter 36, uh, beginning reading in verse 22. Glory to God. Therefore say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, I do not do this for your sake, O house of Israel, but for my holy name's sake, which you have profaned among the nations wherever you went. And I will sanctify my great name which has been profaned among the nations, which you have profaned in their midst, and the nations shall know that I am the Lord, says the Lord God, when I am hallowed in you before their eyes. For I will take you from among the nations, gather you out of the countries, and bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments. And do them. Oh, in verse 28, then you shall dwell in the land that I give to your fathers. You shall be my people, and I will be your God. I want to I want to talk about understanding the heart of God. Understanding the heart of God. Father, I thank you for your word, and I, I thank you for the power of your word. I thank you, Lord, that when your word goes forth, it will not return to you void, but it will accomplish all that you desire. And I thank you, Lord, that you prosper your word in the things that you've sent your word to. So, Lord, thank you for sending your word to us today. And thank you, Father, for what your word is going to accomplish in our lives. I pray today that we'll have open hearts and open minds and that we will be alert and attentive to your word. I come against every spirit of lethargy in the name of Jesus, every slowful and slumbering spirit. I come against now and I speak a spirit of alertness and receptivity to rest in the hearts and minds of your people. God, as you give us revelation knowledge this day, speak to us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. Understanding the heart of God. Amen. I, I, I want us to, 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 to pay particular attention to this today. The Lord has, has just been dealing with me about this this week. And as a matter of fact, just as I focus on uh, the messages that he sent and I look at the body of Christ, uh, I think that, that either we have become very comfortable and we are fam too familiar uh, with God or, or, or something that's going on that's causing uh, those of us in the body to miss some things that are very critical in our relationship with the Lord. Amen. And I believe it is that many people don't understand God's heart. Amen. And, and, and I can only speak this as the Lord gives it because I'm a human being. I'm not God. Amen. So I can only give you what the Lord has given to me. So I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to be super spiritual or anything. I just want to share with you what the Lord has shared with me. Amen. We, we've talked a lot about the heart of man. We've talked about the human heart, uh, not from the physical sense, but from the biblical perspective of what the heart of man is. Because many times when the Bible speaks of heart, you know, love the Lord with all your heart. You know, uh, when, the, when the Bible speaks of heart, 
it is speaking of the center of man, the will, the intellect, uh, the seat of the emotions of man. Amen. And, and it also many times in Scripture or sometimes in Scripture uh, refers to the center of moral and spiritual life. We know that. We've talked about that. We, we know that the Bible teaches us that our heart is des- is wicked, is evil and desperately wicked. Amen. And all of this wrapped up in an evil heart and a desperately wicked heart. We know that in our own estimations, we don't think that our hearts are wicked. Amen. Most people don't, amen, and, and, and for those of us who've been born of the Spirit of the Lord, amen, we know that God has changed our hearts, but we're still works in progress, amen. Can anybody here testify that you are a work in progress, amen, because sometimes you just don't act right, amen, amen, sometimes you just don't think right, amen, praise the Lord, I don't care how good you are, amen, sometimes there's just stuff that's not Right, so we're still works in progress, praise the Lord. Amen, because the human heart is the way it is, the Bible says we can't even know our own hearts. Amen, we just can't do it. Amen, because our hearts will deceive us every time. So, so don't follow the world's teaching of follow your heart. Amen. Amen, amen. Do whatever is in your heart. Don't, don't follow that. You, you better pray that you're led by the Spirit of God. Amen? It's so critical that we understand these things. Praise the Lord. Last Sunday, you know, I, I, I talked about, you know, sometimes people want to give you ideas, and I said, you know, I don't really want ideas. I want things that are prompted by the Spirit of the Lord. Amen? Because, and I think some people may have understood that because sometimes you say things on the pulpit, it can sound arrogant, but, but you're not speaking, I'm not speaking from your perspective. I'm speaking from the perspective that the Lord has given me. You know, and sometimes people don't understand spiritual things because most of the time people come to church, but they live every day. And many times everyday living is different from the way you should be acting and the way you should be thinking and the way you should be functioning. Every day we should be led by the Spirit of God, but, but every day we're not always led by the Spirit of God. Most of the time we're led by, we're influenced by what's happening around us and we don't go back to God and say, Lord, help me in this situation. Help me to see your perspective. Help me to operate from your perspective. Many times we will speak, amen, when something happens and we will automatically have a response and it's not always prompted by the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 And so it's very critical that, 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 that we focus in on understanding God, not following our own minds, not following our emotions. Some people's emotions are up today and they're down tomorrow. Some people are in today and they're out tomorrow. Some people love you today and they're mad with you tomorrow. You know, some people are happy with you today and they could they could chew you up and spit you out tomorrow. Amen. So you can't even follow your own emotions because your emotions are on a roller coaster sometimes. Am I talking to anybody? Amen. So 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 your heart. Amen. Your seat of will, your seat of emotions, your seat of affections is desperately wicked. Don't follow your heart. Amen. Amen. And if the heart is desperately wicked, amen, if the heart is wicked, desperate, is evil and desperately wicked, amen, then we can understand the, the depravity of the human situation and the hopelessness, the depravity and the hopelessness of the human situation. Amen. Amen. Because of that evil and that desperately wicked heart, only God can provide us a remedy. Amen? Our only hope is in God. Amen. Amen? Praise the name of Jesus. One writer calls God the greatest heart specialist. He says it like this. He says, God has diagnosed the, human, the condition of the human heart. It's serious. It's fatal. And it's terminal. Amen? There is no cure for the human heart. No cure, no, no cure. So God says you need a new heart. He did not say I need to, I need to give you, I need to give, put a stint in, and I need you, I need, I need, I need to uh, 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 work your arteries, and I need to uh, 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 rework. I need to give you a bypass. He said no. 
You need a new heart. Amen. Have you ever prayed, God, give me a new heart? Yeah, God, God, this heart is not right. The way I'm thinking is not right. The way I'm acting is not right. My thoughts are desperate. When I want to do good, evil is always present. God, give me not a clean heart, as David prayed, but God, give me a new heart. And see, a lot of us will quote that Psalm 51 and be praying for God to give you a clean heart. No, you need a new one. Say, I need a new heart. Oh my goodness, think about what will happen to you if your heart is new. Mm. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So God doesn't give you a bypass. Amen. <laughs> His surgery is much more radical. He takes out that stony heart and he, that is blocked, that is hard, that is unresponsive to God. Let me ask you something. If you come to church and you hear the gospel preached and you don't change, do you consider that your heart is hard? Or do you just think, well, I just don't agree with the pastor today. This is just the way I am and I'm not going to change. Hard heart! It says you need a new heart. You need a new heart. And many times people in church need New hearts. Ooh, Lord, help us today. Mm, mm. So for us, under the new covenant, we know that that is through our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and receiving Jesus as our Lord and our Savior, trusting in his sacrificial death on the cross, amen, and the fact that God raised him from the dead, that, that, that now we have the opportunity to be saved, that now we, that we, can, we, we can live a life that's pleasing to God. Because of faith in God, now we have this new heart. Nicodemus, when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, he called it being born again. Amen. 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 He said, you know, you, you, you must be born again because if you're not born again, you have no perception of the kingdom of heaven. He didn't tell Nicodemus, Nicodemus, no, you need to go back and be baptized. He didn't tell Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you need to join another church. He, said, he didn't even tell Nicodemus, you need to join the church. He said, you must be born again. Nicodemus, you need a new heart. What Ezekiel calls a new heart, John calls it being born again. For without the intervention of God in the human situation, the entire creation would be doomed to eternal destruction and hell's fine damnation. And so as I was meditating on all of this and praying about this, I sensed the Lord saying to me, my people need to understand me. And my heart for them. A lot of people who come and listen to, this is, this is a personal conversation, personal interaction that I'm having with the Lord. And there's a lot of people come and they've heard the teaching and, and, and they, 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 they'll, they'll buy into the fact that the heart is desperately wicked and that they need a new heart. But people need to understand me. People need to understand my heart. People need to understand my heart. It's one thing, this is, I'm not talking about me, me, I'm talking about the Lord and my conversation with him. He said, it's one thing for me to do all of this for humankind that I've done, but it's another thing for them to understand, to appreciate, and to embrace me for all I've done for them. Do they really know why I've done what I've done? Young people, listen to me good, all right? Do, 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 do we really know why God has done for us? You know, somebody sang a song a long time ago. I don't know why Jesus loved me. I don't know why he cares. I don't know why he sacrificed his life, but oh, I'm glad. I'm glad he did. You know, but let me tell you something. By now, you ought to know why. If you ever sang that song, you ought to know why Jesus loves you. You ought to know why he cares. Not because of you, but because of him. 
praise the name of Jesus. And this is what God is saying. My people need to understand me. My people need to understand me. In this, in this age that we're living in, we see that a lot of people need a better understanding of the Lord. They need to know God, and they need to know God's character and God's nature. Yeah. And that's been one of the problems of human beings since the beginning of time. We've not understood God. We've not understood God's nature. Israel's chosen Israel, God's chosen people, didn't really understand him. Not all of them. Some of them did. So when I'm preaching to you today, I understand that some of us understand. But, but not all of us. And it's imperative that we help all of us get this. Amen? Israel heard God's word. They experienced God's hand at work in their lives. They saw his deliverance. They, they, saw, they expected his blessings. Amen? Yet over and over and over again, they dishonored God. They disobeyed God. They even, even stood in contempt of God over and over and over again. Just look at the record. And I can't take the time. I mean, I don't mind taking the time, but I don't think you can bear up under it, me taking the time to, to go through every situation. Amen? But if you just read the account, read the account of the wilderness wandering. God brings them out of bondage in Egypt. Now, in Egypt, they're under hard taskmasters. Amen? But God brings them out of bondage. They went in poor, but God brought them out rich. Are you understanding me? And then time and time again, they get out there. They've seen God deliver. They saw God when they got down to the Red Sea. They saw God open the waters, pop the waters. They go across on dry ground. Yet time and time again, they grumble. They complain when things don't go as they want them. Oh, that's the problem. When things don't go as we want them to go, when things didn't go as they wanted them to go, they began to grumble. They began to complain. You know, they grumble about wanting meat. Oh, with, they, they grumble about food. God sent manna from heaven. They grumble about that. God sent quails. They grumble about water. Amen. God gave them the promised land. God gave them. Say, God gave it to me. But they doubted whether they could go in and possess the land. They'd seen the hand of God at work. They'd seen God defeat their enemies before them. And yet, when it came time for them to take possession of the things that God had set aside, set apart for them, God says, I'm giving you the land. They doubted whether they could go in and possess the land. Read the prophecy of Isaiah. In the very first chapter, verses 2 and 3, God says, Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. I've nourished and I've brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner, and the donkey its master's crib, but Israel does not know. My people do not consider. In Jeremiah, another instance, the word of the Lord uh, Hear the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, and, and, and all the families of the house of Israel. Thus saith the Lord, what injustice have, I, have your fathers found in me? That they have gone far from me, have followed idols, have become idolatrous. Neither did they say, where is the Lord who brought us up out of the land of, of, of Egypt, who led us through the wilderness, through a land of deserts and pits, through a land of drought and the shadows of death, through a land that no one crossed and where no one dwelt. I brought you into a bountiful country to eat its fruit and its goodness. But when you entered, you defiled my land and made my heritage and, and abominations. The priest did not say, where is the Lord? And those who handled the law did not know me. The rulers also transgressed against me. The prophets prophesied by Baal and walked after things that do not profit. Therefore, I will yet bring charges against you, saith the Lord, and against your children. 
I will bring charges. For pass beyond the coast of Cyprus and see, send to Kadar and consider diligently. And if there has been such a thing, see if there have been such a thing, has a nation changed its gods which are not gods? But my people have changed their glory for what does not profit. Be astonished, O heaven. Be astonished at this and horribly afraid. Be very desolate, saith the Lord. Because they did not know God's heart and the extent to which God would go for them. Listen to me good. God's chosen people forsook him. Oh, they were still going to the temple. Like a lot of us still come to church. Are we still in the house? Oh, we need some air conditioning on in here. Praise the name of Jesus. Yes, it's hot. Amen. Wake us up. Throw some ice water on us. Praise the name of Jesus. Just one notch, please. Hallelujah. Amen. They didn't know God's heart. Listen, God's heart is key to all of this and to our serving him. We've got to know God's heart. We've got to know the extent God will go for us. Amen. It's a dangerous thing not to know the heart of God. If you don't know the heart of God, listen to me, you will reject God. You will reject his teaching if you don't know his heart. If you don't know his heart. I'm not saying knowing about him. I'm not saying knowing the words that are written in the Bible. I'm talking about knowing his heart. We got to know God's heart. We got to see God's heart. Amen. Amen. Mm. In Ezekiel chapter, chapter 13, there's a record of the fact that, that false faith does not take God seriously and therefore cannot take sin seriously because it prophesies out of its own imaginations. So if we don't, if we don't know God's heart, we're going to reject God and we're going to reject God's teaching. And we'll start prophesying to ourselves out of our own imaginations. Now let's change it like this. We'll start developing standards for our own selves according to our own imaginations. If we don't know God's heart. We will reject God. We will reject truth. How many people you know have rejected truth? Amen. How many people you know have compromised? How many people you know are looking for another way? It has to be better. Got to be easier. God expects too much of us. If God didn't want me to have these, didn't want me to do what I'm doing, why did he give me the feelings that he's given me? Let's break it down a little bit more. And then didn't have people, they reject God's teaching because when you get into the Word of God, it begins to show you yourself just as you are. Amen. When you get, and James says it. Amen. James says when you begin to get into the Word of God, it's like looking in a mirror. You begin to see yourself. God begins to speak to you, and you begin to see yourself when you really get into the, maybe that's why some people don't read the Bible. But, 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 you know, that's no excuse. The Bible begins to show us who we are, and show us our sin, and it shows it to us in a very bad light. So then what people do is they concoct views about God that excuse their sins or plays down their sin. Amen? They say that, you know, because God is love, you know, he just loves everybody. God is not a God of wrath. He's a God of love. God is not a, he does not judge sin. There is no hell. But let me tell you something. That is not the word of God. That is self Deception. You're deceiving your own self, led by a deceitful heart. Now, the other side of this is that when a person doesn't know God's heart, then people will begin to accuse God of being unfair. I should say, in addition to this, 
people will begin to accuse God of being unfair. Mm. God, why do you let me go through this? You begin to look at yourself and you, be, you become the only person in the world. Nobody else is going through what you're going through. It's only you and God put it on you. So God, why? Why did you allow me to go through this? God, why did you take my mother? Why did you take my father? Why did you take my sister? Oh, how many times have I heard people say that? Are you trying to help people see? Your mama had to die just like everybody else's mama had to die. You live long enough, you're going to die too. You know? God gave his only begotten son. Then you crying about, you know? Then, then, then you get into other things. We get self-centered, and we're actually saying, God, you have been unfair to me. Lord, have mercy. That's not what the Bible teaches. God is never unfair to us. Mm -mm. No, no, no. He's never unfair to us. You know? Lord, have mercy. Well, if you don't know God's heart, you have never really taken time to know him. If you don't know his heart, you've never taken time to know him. And when you don't know him, you won't honor him. Just like Israel, you won't appreciate him. Amen? You'll live the type of life and lifestyle that does not bring benefit to the Lord's name. We say it like this, that doesn't bring glory to the name of the Lord. Amen. Praise the name of Jesus. One writer stated this about knowing God's character, which is a part of knowing God's heart. Our understanding of God's character is crucial. Amen. And, and he says, think about this. If you have the choice of two vacations, the choice now, the choice of two vacations, okay, two weeks in one of the most expensive hotels in the Bahamas. All right. All expense paid at one of the most expensive hotels in the Bahamas. Okay. Or the option of spending two weeks on a traffic island in the middle of downtown Charlotte, North Carolina. Which one would you take? Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. In the short term, your choice is important because the quality of your vacation depends on your decision. But in the long term, it doesn't really matter because at the end of the two weeks, you're going home. All right. But imagine a man driving down a straight road, driving like maybe 100 miles per hour. And it comes to a fork in the road. Okay, if it goes to the right, it leads to a better road, amen, that keeps on going for miles and miles and miles and miles. But if he takes the left turn, he'll suddenly find the road dropping off on a deep cliff to, to the rocks below, just like that man who drove off in California uh, off the side of the road just this past week and fell down to the rocks, okay? <laughs> And either the short term or the long term, it matters about the decision that you make, okay? Because there is no coming back. There is no second chance. You got to get it right or you die. And it is a split second decision. So it is with our belief about the knowledge of God. We got to get it right. Got to get it right, saints. How many of you know where death is? How many of you know where death is? How many of you know that you're going to be living in the next 15 minutes? We need to get this right. We need to get this right because it's the difference between it's the difference between life or death. It's a difference between inclusion or exclusion. It's a difference between blessings or curses. It is the difference between heaven or hell. 
We need to, we need to. Because many times the choices that we are making is separating us from the God who loves us. Choices. Because we think God is unfair. We think God does not really love us. We think God has, a, has an ulterior motive. I don't tithe because God's just trying to get my money. I don't come to church because God, they ask us to come too much. I need some rest. God is being unfair. It's being unfair. I'm not going to trust my brothers and sisters because God just want me to put my business out there so folk can walk all over me. God is being unfair. Well, so we need to really understand God's heart because ultimately, saints, this is not about you and me. This is about God. Amen. Shikol, pass that over there. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. All of this is about God. Say it's about God. Amen. It's about God. We got to get it right. If I don't start right, I'm going to end up wrong. There was a point in, in, in the book that I use in merit, merit, premarital counseling that talks about true north. Okay? True north is different from magnetic north. Okay? All right? And when people make maps, they make maps according to true north. All right? Airplanes, have to, they have to know the difference between true north and magnetic north because there is a starting point. Okay? So if, 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 my, if my starting point is right, and I go true north, okay, I'm going to head toward the North Pole. But if, if I don't know the difference, and, and, and I start out going to magnetic north, I may start here. And as soon as I get started, I start veering toward the magnetic north. Now, I didn't think about this when I was preparing this message, but the Lord just talked, showed me how wicked and deceitful our hearts are. At the starting point, if we don't get this right with God, we're going to immediately start to veer to magnetic north. Magnetic north is where your heart will pull you away from true north. We are bent to go toward magnetic north. Pilots have to always be recalculating. They got to watch the compasses and they got to recalculate so they go in the right direction. Saints, you don't wonder why sometimes you hear the same messages over and over again or some points of the same things over and over again. God is saying you got to recalculate. You think you know it, but you're veering off course. And guess what? Because your heart is deceitful, you don't see it. You think you're all right because you cannot tell the difference. How many times have we straightened up these chairs in here? And I stand here and I say, no, you got to move it to the right just a little bit. Because I'm looking here and I see even now this chair is in line with the door back there. But when it got to the back, that chair is over into the aisle to the left because it wasn't that going directly from the point straight back. You know that You know what? You're riding down the highway, and you see a road, and you say, well, I should be able to take that road and end up at that direction, only to find out that when you get on the road, it does not go in the direction that you think it's going in. God says, we got to get this right. I want my people to know my heart. Now, what I'm going to tell you is things that most of us already know, but it's time for us to do some recalculating. Tell your neighbor, recalculate. This is, a, this is an ongoing thing, my brothers and sisters. We got to recalculate. Amen. And I'm not just saying this for you. I have, to, I have to deal with myself like this. Recalculate. Think about this thing. Look at your life. Look at what you're doing. Look at the way you're thinking. Look at how you're living. Look at how you're giving. Recalculate. 
So what is God's heart? God's heart is a heart of abundant love. A heart of abundant love. All right? Amen. Glory to God. And I know we know this. All right? But we need to recalculate because if we think God is being unfair in any way, if we think God is treating somebody else better than he's treating us, we need to recalculate. A heart of abundant love. The only answer for the sin and the depravity, the depravity of mankind, amen, the depravity of the heart of mankind is the abundant love and grace of Almighty God. That's the only answer. Yeah, we're wicked. Our hearts are desperately wicked. Evil. Amen. We do not need a bypass. We need a new heart. Because God loves us the way he loves us. In the abundance that he loves us in. He's able to give us a new heart. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6, the Lord, the Lord, it says, the Lord your God has chosen you out of all of the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. The Lord did not set his affection on you and, and choose you because you were more numerous than any other people. Amen? Amen. For you were the fewest of all people, but it was because the Lord loved you. He spoke this to the Hebrew people. Because he loved you. Because he loved you. Because he loved you. Knowing therefore that the Lord your God, he is faithful, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. He loves us. He loves us. Amen. We know in the New Testament that it has shown us this abundant love of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We quote that scripture, but we don't think about the cost. We don't think about the cost. We don't think about the fact that we deserve to die, but God took our place in Jesus. Stepped in our place. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement, the punishment that we deserve to bring us to be at peace with God. God put on Jesus for you and me. That's how much God loves us. That's how much God loves us. Because otherwise, we wouldn't be here right now. There would not be a church there would not be a church if God had not loved us. And he didn't just love the Israelites. He was not completed with his mission on earth. Ooh. God demonstrated his love toward us. And then while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Abundance of love. Abundance of love. God's heart is a heart of love. He's never unfair to people. He's never mean to people. God's heart is a heart of love. When people will hear the gospel and repent of their sins, God will forgive them. And guess what? God gives you more than one chance. He gives you more than 10 chances. He gives you more than 20 chances. He gives you more than 50 chances. Anybody past the 50 mark, tell the truth and shame the devil. Hallelujah. Amen. I know some of y'all righteous. You do everything right. Amen. Amen. Everything. Praise the Lord. That's the extent of his love. Going a little bit further. You know, one of the, thing, one of the things that John says, John says that greater love has no man than this, then he will do what? Lay down his life. That's the abundance of God's love. He laid down his life for you and me. Now, because he laid down his life, well, let me not get to that point. A part of this love of God is God's compassion. Oof. Now, you know, as I, was, as, I was, as I was writing this and just thinking about this, I said, you know, when you really understand compassion, 
Uh, you know, some people don't want, they don't think about this. But when you understand the word compassion, uh, it has the meaning of showing pity. You know, but tied into it is showing mercy. All right. Because sometimes people say, don't, don't, don't pity me. I don't want nobody pitying me. Sometimes people need to pity you from a healthy perspective. You see, God sees our depravity. Amen? God sees our condition. God sees our hopelessness without Jesus Christ. So he has compassion on us. You couldn't be saved without the Lord's compassion. Because we were in, mankind is in a pitiful situation. You know, here we are going down the road, speeding, this doesn't tie into my other example, speeding at 500 miles per hour, and the bridge is out, and we don't know it. We don't know it. Because we think that we got it all together. But God sees what we don't see. God knows what we don't know. God sees way ahead of us. And so God has compassion on us. God slows us down. God stops us in the midst of our situation. God stops us. God intervenes in our situation and brings us to the realization if we will listen to him, that we need to stop what we're doing and turn back to him. Amen. In, in the 16th chapter of Ezekiel, and, 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 and this, this passage is just, it's just a wonderful passage of Scripture. Uh, and, and I don't have time to preach all of this, but, but I, I want us to go back and just look at this for a minute. And, and this is God speaking to Israel, uh, to, well, to Judah, and in verse 2, Son of man, calls Jerusalem to know her abominations. All right? He said, Thus saith the Lord God of Jerusalem, Your birth and your nativity are from the land of Canaan. Your father was an Amorite and your mother a Hittite. Now, side point, side note, listen, pay attention. Okay? For everybody who said that black people are cursed because Noah cursed his sons. I told you all this before. Okay? African people, God cursed Canaan. God did not curse Ham. He didn't curse Ham. He cursed Canaan. Abraham was a Canaanite. Are y'all listening? Go back and tell all those folk to keep on perpetrating that lie and some some black people have perpetrated that lie because they don't know Abraham was a Canaanite. So the curse was on Canaan. Oh, wait a minute now. Let me bring this on in here. So the curse was on Canaan, and now Jesus has redeemed even Canaan from the curse. Get it right and stop saying God is wrong and stop saying the Bible is wrong. Stop saying black people are cursed. We're not cursed. So we were not Canaanites. My ancestors came from Africa, not the land of Canaan. I had to unfriend somebody on Facebook because, because he was pushing me in the wrong direction. I said, now listen now, if I have to keep dealing with this thing, I'm going to have to say something really, really, really harsh. So I just said, now listen, if you're going to be challenging me, then the best thing for me to do is just block you from my page because I don't have time to be trying to defend all this stuff that I've told you about before and you won't go and read it for yourself. You still believe in a lie that black people are cursed and the church is wrong because we're teaching people about Jesus and we need to be following this uh, pan-African uh, religious stuff. Well, now, where was I? Let me go back. So God says, listen to what God says. Praise the Lord. Give me, give me 10 minutes. Amen. I got 10 minutes. You ain't got to give me anything. So. <laughs> Hallelujah. Verse 4 says, and as for your nativity, on the day you were born, your navel cord was not cut, nor were you washed in water to cleanse you. You were not rubbed with salt, nor wrapped in swaddling cloths. No, I pitied you. 
to do any of these things. No, I pitied you to do any of these things for you, to have compassion on you. Glory to God. But you were thrown out into the open field when you yourself were loathed on the day you were born. And when I passed by you and saw you struggling in your own blood, I said to you in your blood, live. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Yes, I said to you in your blood, live. I made you thrive like a plant in the field, and you grew, matured, and became very beautiful. Your breasts were formed, your hair grew, but you were naked and bare. When I passed by you again and looked upon you, indeed the time, hallelujah, your time was the, was the time of love. So I spread my wings over you and covered your nakedness. Yes, I swore an oath to you and entered into a covenant with you, and you became mine saith the Lord. Then I washed you in water. I thoroughly washed off your blood, and I anointed you with oil. I clothed you with embroidered cloth and gave you sandals and badger skin. I clothed you with linen and covered you with silk. Ah, this is God's picture of the compassion he had upon Israel. It's the same picture. God saw us in our depravity. God saw us in our sin. And God had compassion. You think you're righteous. You think you're good like you are. No, 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 no. God said, no, no. Think back to where you came from. Do you ever think back? Do you ever look back over your life? Do you remember some of the stuff you did? Things that you're ashamed to talk about. God says, I'm a God of compassion. He says, I'll have compassion on who I will have compassion on. Mercy on who. And all of this is tied into God's mercy. Because if God had not been merciful and compassionate toward us, where would we be? Now, when I begin to understand the compassion of the Lord, I can have compassion on you. When I begin to understand how God has had compassion on me and the, the abundance of God's compassion, that's why sometimes I don't understand hard Christians Sometimes you do have to love people toughly, but it still has to be love. Mm. It still has to be love. When you look at this chapter, God describes Israel. God describes Israel. Amen. He describes Israel. He describes their sin. Amen. He uses words like prostitution, detestable, promiscuity, lewdness, weak will, brazen, to describe the people's rebellion. But you read a little bit further in this 16th chapter. Amen. And it gets down to verse, uh, verse 60 and it says, Yet! Oh my goodness. In other words, there's still help available. There's still mercy available. Glory to God. Amen. Yet! This is the depth of God's love because when he looks at us, there's still a yet in the picture. There's still a yet in your picture, saints of God. Even if we don't understand his heart the way we ought to understand it, there's still a yet in the picture. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yet hopes, holds hope for us. Yeah, 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 yeah. Lastly, let me go ahead and finish this. God's heart is a heart of abundant love. God's heart is a heart of abundant compassion. God's heart is a heart of abundant grace. And we know what grace is. Grace is unmerited favor. Amen. That's shown toward us and none of us deserve God's grace. None of us deserve God's grace. None of us deserve God's blessing. We're sitting in here today on undeserved grace. Abundant grace. Paul sought the Lord. He said, I got a thorn in my flesh. 
I wanted to move, and I sought the Lord three times, but God's answer to me was, my grace is sufficient for you. In your weakness, my strength is made perfect. Oh, my brothers and sisters, I've experienced the grace of God in my life so many, th- so many times. Amen. I remember when God called me to preach, I said, God, I am not worthy. I remember so clearly the vision I had that night. Walking down the street, I was the only person on the street, and I was walking, and I see the, the tree-lined streets, and all of a sudden, a hurricane came up and caught me up into the hurricane, and I began to cry out to God, God save me, God save me, and God said, do what I tell you to do. He said, don't worry about the people. Don't worry about what people will say, but just do what I tell you to do, and I will make a way for you. I will do the rest. That was the grace of God on my life. I've seen the grace of God so many times when I should have died, but God stepped in and God intervened. When I should have been in an accident, but God stepped in and intervened. It was the grace of God. Not just one time. If you count God's grace in your life, if you can stop and think about where God has brought you from and what God has brought you through and what you deserve because of your sin. But God's grace. God's grace. God's grace, his grace is sufficient. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Hallelujah, hallelujah. One hymn writer said, if I can remember the words, he says, with multiplied sorrow comes multiplied, multiplied strength and multiplied grace. So regardless of the trouble that comes in our lives, when God's grace, God's unmerited favors on us, he multiplies his grace. You look at some people, you say, how are you making it? By the grace of God. Only by the grace of God. How are you enduring under the pressure? By the grace of God. Why haven't you lost your mind? By the grace of God. God doesn't want to make your life harder. God wants to give you more grace. God does not want to make your life more unbearable. God wants to give you more grace. Hallelujah. God does not want to to, uh, uh, allow you to be killed in the midst of your struggles. He wants to give you more grace. You may go into the fire, but grace will go in before you. You may go into the lion's den, but grace will go in before you. Abundant grace. Abundant grace. You need to know God's heart because the devil is not gracious. I said you need to know God's heart. Stop rejecting God. Stop playing with God. The devil is not gracious. He only comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus has come that you might have life. You might have it more abundantly. Abundant love. Abundant compassion. That's tied into abundant mercy. And abundant grace. No, don't don't trifle with this. Don't trifle with this. The devil wants you to keep playing games with God. Because he realizes you veered from true north. And you're just, you, you, you're just saying enough stuff to make you think everything is all right. You veered from true north. And you're headed toward magnetic north. Why does this thing feel so right? Why does this thing feel so good? But all of us know that we don't live by feeling. We live by faith. in the God who loves us Stop, stop playing games with what God has said. Know God's heart. Know that God loves you. Know that God is compassionate towards you. He saw you in your blood. He saw you in your sin. And he said, live. And ever since he said it, He's been giving you grace. He's been giving you grace. God's heart.
God's heart for us, his people, for the whole world. Because God didn't just love the saved. He loved all humanity. The only way people are going to come to God is they get a revelation how much God loves them. How do you tell the world today they're so caught up in selfishness, so caught up in themselves, and so caught up in the things of life, and so influenced by so many other people who think the very same way they think, and they've written God off. They've written the church off. They're saying it doesn't take all of that. How do you get people to come back and understand God's heart for them? It starts with us really understanding God's heart for us. Because out of that understanding, we're pushed. We can't rest easy can't be comfortable when we're not doing what he tells us to do. Sometimes I say to myself, and I'm not saying this to lift me up and say I'm this perfect person, but I say to myself, Lord, if I just had a little bit more time if I, if I had more time in the day, you know, more time, the only, only, only seven nights in a week, you know, I could go here and I could do that. I could start a Bible study over here. I could go to this person's house and, 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 and disciple them. I could go to that person's house. God said, I didn't tell you to do all of that. I told you to equip the saints so they can do it. Lord, when will people have time? They already don't. They won't come to Bible study because it's too much time. Call special prayer. They ain't coming to that because it's too much time. Call extra service. They ain't coming to that because it's too much time. So to ask people to take time to go to somebody's house, to ask people to learn the discipleship material so they can go and disciple us. Lord, so Lord, help us. We're missing something in this picture. We've forgotten about the extent that you went, the love that you showed, that we should be mimicking because we really understand your heart. Lord, help us. Then you get to the other side of the picture where church becomes an entertainment thing. And, and now we're about the more gadgets we can get. You know, the more popular we are. Because we don't understand God's heart. And somebody called me the other day. And they said, I decided to call you, Bishop, because I know we do this texting thing, but you know, texting is getting so impersonal. I said, that's so true. Thank you so much for the phone call. And it wasn't about me. It was about her and her husband. She just wanted to call me and thank me for something. She said, I didn't want to send a text. I just wanted to call. I'm glad God doesn't send text messages. I'm glad God is not sending Facebook messages. I'm glad he still wants to talk to us. And he wants us to talk to him. He still wants a personal relationship. He wants us to know his heart. He wants us to know his heart. He wants us to know his heart. Not just know about him. He wants us to know his heart. He's speaking this to his, to his people. Know my heart. Don't be so easily pulled away from me. Don't be so easily running after things. Don't, don't so easily get caught up in what you want. I don't know. Let's stand.